In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents Donald Trump with a, a stain on our country. I'm someone's daughter, too. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Suck Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elias Morales. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Suck Podcast, where Twitter meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Guys, I wonder what it's called if we all directly interact with each other on Twitter. Is that a Twitter or a group chat? That is the reply, guys. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thread, I guess. Thread. The thread. The thread, the thread. Before we get into today's show, I'm so excited to be here with Sammy and Elise today. I wanted to quickly address um, something from yesterday's show. So within like an hour of yesterday's show coming out, I heard from a lot of you about an issue with a statement that was made at the end. Um, I wanted to bring up a concern I had about perceptions that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was less effective. The way that that conversation went absolutely made it sound like that's what we were implying that it is less effective. Just the approach was, was botched and the way it sounded was not something that needed to be on the podcast. So we removed that as soon as you guys told us and it was not out for very long, but I wanted to make sure we address that at the top in case people listen to the podcast on a platform that is an iTunes or Spotify, or we didn't catch it. I really encourage you to listen to this morning's episode of the daily. Actually, I'm really glad I did because they explain why the percentage effectiveness really belies how effective the vaccines are, especially given the parameters of the trial. So thank you for the people that brought that to my attention. I took it really seriously and I am sorry. I take it to heart. Sammy knows I don't take mistakes lightly. So no. trust me, I she beats aware. herself up for like three weeks. So please be be gentle in the DMs. <laughs> These you. ones were actually pretty gentle. So <laughs> right. It's okay to get a DM of like someone being like constructive criticism or like you're wrong and I'm being respectful about it. But like, I'm just yes. saying that to those who are not gentle. Thank but you. Anyway, <laughs> Elise, Elise, we have not been on for so long. I know we were just we just realized that I think this is the first time in the new year that we've been on together. Well, we're going to make it a good one. I I think you guys came on together for the anniversary, right? Didn't we do that? Right. Okay. yes. Okay. fair. But like first casual app. Yeah. First, like real news app. Yeah. Yeah. Real casual voter suppression episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What a good one. Glad we are uniting for that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So today we're going to talk about voting rights and the wanton attempts to undermine them. As you guys know, listeners, I listen to you and you have been asking for us to talk about this. So we're going to get into a lot of things happening this week. Let's give some background. In just the two months of 2021, lawmakers in 43 states have brought up 253 bills restricting voting rights and access just in two months. That's nuts. That's a lot of states. That's almost all the states, in fact. They have these ready to go. I'd love to know. Like... Or maybe they all wrote them in one Google Doc and all of them just like use <laughs> boilerplate, <laughs> boilerplate voter suppression law. Yeah. 
Yeah, Honestly, I totally like, I mean, I, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like one consulting firm peddling the same, like, I mean, I, bet. I think that's how law, I mean, have you guys heard that like lobbyists actually write a lot of legislation like yeah. by, by the word? I bet that's what actually job. what Like how fucked up is that? <laughs> it's super fucked up. Imagine if I was just like, excuse me, Chuck, we're going <laughs> to do we're going to do this. <laughs> like it's, yeah. how is that okay? How like that someone's okay? paid job is to yeah. manipulate our legislative system so that people, so that the, the people who are supposed to be represented, because this is allegedly a representative government um, or they called it that once. Um, yeah. Even you know. when I let PR people help me choose my content, because they send me PR releases, I still change the copy. I would hope yeah. that our legislatures could be bothered. Well, they don't really, maybe they, it doesn't seem like they love going to work. Like I once saw this tweet no. from Chris Hayes, who was like, the thing to understand about the Senate is that it revolves around the senators avoiding being in the Senate, Ugh. which sounds like so, what? Like you are elected officials. You're supposed to be public servants. Like you're supposed to serve the public. It's not supposed to be like a chic consulting job. Like well, I how many don't... times in recent memory has it been like, well, unfortunately we didn't get the bill done because it's time for us to go on break. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the only Wait, time I want to hear, oh, we can't do it anymore. We have recess is from a fifth grader. Exactly. <laughs> fucking the Majority leader of the United States. But we Senate. have fifth graders like in charge, basically, mm-hmm. like emotional fifth graders. It is so jarring that it's Joe like- Manchin is an emotional fifth grader. I was really like ranting about him to myself last night. <laughs> to yourself, talk about yeah. I have a sense having just completed today's newsletter that Elise was too. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not. I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm not happy with him. <laughs> wow. I don't like him. You're the hot take there. <laughs> Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is definitely involved. He in really today's... thinks he is the fucking king of the Senate. Yeah. And it is. Okay. Let's just go to the script. And <laughs> he does. He definitely does. We've, we've talked about, I think about this a lot because you know, he, he, he sleeps great at night. He's like, I did the right thing today. I protected the party and the American people. But I really right. fucking hope he doesn't get in the way of the voting rights act. Well, he seems like he's gonna, because he said never yesterday. Oh, good. That's just what you want to hear from our Democratic senators. He's like, what do you not understand about never? That was like, maybe oh, he'll, maybe he'll listen. Maybe he'll listen to today's episode. Mm, yeah. Three women. I don't know. Fair enough. So the voter suppression efforts have been like particularly onerous in Georgia. So what are some things that helped Joe Biden, John Ossoff, and Raphael Warnock win Georgia? Mass voter registration, greater awareness of and access to absentee voting, and more ballot drop boxes. Two bills currently moving their way through the Republican-controlled Georgia legislature would end automatic voter registration, ban drop boxes for mail ballots, and eliminate the broad ability of absentee voting. So that last part often means uh, the end of no-excuse absentee voting, which a lot of people utilized during the pandemic, and it worked pretty well, so people kind of want to make it permanent. The bills would also restrict early voting on the weekends, which would have a huge impact on souls to the polls uh, when a lot of Black churchgoers vote on Sundays after services. Black voters make up a third of the state's voting population, and 88% of Black voters voted for Biden. More than 90% voted for Senators Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. So this is just, I mean, pretty transparent. Yeah, it's I, it's hard to even say anything about it because it's so obvious what's happening here. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because I kind of think like you think back and the Republican Party or what is the conservative party has historically been trying to do this forever. Like they tried poll taxes, they tried literacy tests, they tried just like straight up not having enough locations. And it's like, at what point does it become that the the Republic, the conservative party is the party of you can't vote because we get to, we want to keep our shit. Even like when they were, even when they were like writing the constitution, their biggest concern was like, how do we keep our property? It's like, (laughs) And that's essentially the equivalent of like wealth hoarding today and power hoarding today that we're seeing. It's like, there's always going to be this. That's, that is what the conservative party is about. Yeah. And it really, it gets to the point where when you see within, you know, a couple months of an election, 253 voting rights bills just pour out of this party you have to assume that it is now a key tenet of the Republican Party that like black people shouldn't vote. Basically, they tried to nullify black votes in the general election. It didn't work. Now they're going to try to legally make it as difficult as possible for black Georgians to get to the polls. What policies do they even have? Like what other legislation is is coming forth from the Republican Party? Can you name any at this moment? Like, because I can't. Trans All I hear bills. is like trans like bills. bills. Oh, trans abortion bills. bans. There's an abortion ban in South Carolina that they got right, right on. <laughs> right, right, right. I do remember there was an abortion. Right. Um, yeah, their entire job is to be obstructionist. I mean, there's a Stacey Abrams quote that I read, and, and this has been repeated a lot, but it's it's so accurate. She said, rather than grappling with whether their ideology is causing them to fail, they are instead relying on what has worked in the past, which is just rigging the system and not letting people vote. Like at no it's funny because we talk on this podcast a lot about how to convince Republicans that doing the right thing is politically favorable to them. But they're never they're not concerned with even being politically favorable. They're just like, we don't even need that. We'll just stop people from voting. No, their entire plan is to fudge the numbers and win that way. And it was their plan in the general election with like being like, OK, we'll fuck up the post office. Let's see if they right. can mail their ballots. And like it is their their plan to win. I mean, it's exactly what Stacey Abrams said. It has nothing to do with hearts and minds of the American people, nothing to do with um, getting new voters, inspiring people. It has everything to do with fudging the numbers, moving things around and consolidating power in such a way that it can't ever be taken from them. Cause the, the thing is they don't really have an ideology outside of power and money for themselves. And every single, you know, culture war moment, every single legislative attempt is essentially an extension of that. So like mm-hmm. you could say, oh, they abortion is murder. Maybe like the average evangelical who votes for them is really motivated by that, but they're not really motivated no. by that. Donald they're Trump motivated give... by control over women. No. So it's that really is all it is. Maybe their voters, maybe some of their voters like have an ideology, but like it's very clear that the people in charge do not. No, they only like those voters and go for those voters because they will stick with them because those are one issue voters or I guess several issues. They hate trans and gay people and they hate abortion. Yeah, basically. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. 
It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So these restrictions have made very, very clear the necessity of voting rights reform at the federal level. And last night, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 1, stands for House Resolution 1, a massive voting rights and election reform bill. This bill addresses everything from automatic voter registration to getting money out of politics. And it was actually conceptualized long before the pandemic. I think they came out with this in the House in 2018 when Democrats won it. Um, but it would make a lot of the pandemic era voting accommodations permanent. I feel like it's a good piece of leverage that this came out even before the pandemic, because it's like, we're not just saying, oh, that was easy. We want to just do that forever now. We've been pointing out for a long time how these would just improve the franchise in America. So it would basically do what a lot of Georgia wants to undo. I'll list some things. Um, it would require automatic voter registration and just easier ways to handle that online. In some states, you just like cannot do it online, which in 2021 is absurd. It would also allow same-day registration in every state, although I'm not really sure how that is different from automatic registration. Like, if you're automatically registered, wouldn't you not need to register on election day? Wouldn't there not be a deadline? No, say, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Like, huh. maybe if there's a fluke. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. point. Yes, that must be it. Or you just moved. That's exactly yes. what it is. Okay. So it would also require universal no-excuse voting by mail. Uh, several states have only mail voting, so that's even a step up from that. It would also give, this is big, the power to redistrict to independent commissions rather than the party that happens to be in power when the time comes to redraw, a.k.a. gerrymander the districts. Right now, Republicans won a lot of state legislatures because they have gerrymandered, which I feel like a lot of and we'll talk about uh, the Supreme Court case that handled this and what that dumb lawyer said. But Republicans, the way they approach this, because we talk a lot about like, we're basically living under minority rule. Republicans have this idea that America is like split down the middle and we have to make sure we preserve everybody's interests. And they, but they've created this appearance 
of like a 50-50 split over decades of gerrymandering and voter suppression. Like half of the people have never believed what they believe, but it's like they get to wield that and have that leverage because they're saying, well, Democrats can't have a competitive advantage. Republicans have to have the same chance. It's like you've given yourself a head start for 30 years. You're just mad it's going to get taken away. I'm confused about like, how there can be a competitive advantage when you just are allowing everyone to actually vote. Good point. Like, like, yeah, you like the idea is that every, the like the general idea, like if, if, I mean, unless they're pretending, unless they're saying that this wasn't the general idea, like the general idea was that everyone gets to vote other than black people who are three fifths, but like we we allegedly allow, you know, yes. everyone to vote. So they're saying that, like, if you actually allow that, we can't win. Yeah. Pretty much. inherent in their whole argument is the admission that if the if the game was fair, they couldn't win. Right. Exactly. It's kind of it's really crazy. But like, why can't the Democrats communicate that a little better? Well, that's what their problem always is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, an overwhelming majority of Americans do support these reforms. I feel like every Senate bill and attempt we're talking about that Republicans are blocking, the American people generally like. So 67 percent of voters support these reforms. Do we think the Senate will? That comes down to will you convince Joe Manchin? Yeah. I personally think that Kirsten Cinema is using Joe Manchin as cover. And if he changed his mind, so would she. Mm -hmm. Um so that she can like appeal, appear more centrist to her voters, but it's really comes down to him. I don't know. I agree with you. Yeah. I think cinema, it's all about mansion. I think cinema falls if mansion falls. And I don't know because. Does he have any friends that we could like get to talk to him? <laughs> yeah. It's really like they're going to have to offer him something in some kind of backdoor Senate, something, something. So like, I like, have I whatever you want, like take it. I'm cool. Like whatever. There's a ton yeah. of, but the other thing is Joe Manchin very obviously gets off on being the guy who's saying no. He, mm -hmm. every time there's a proposal, he offers a slightly lower number. Like he's like, I don't support a $15 minimum wage. I support a $13 minimum minimum wage or 11 or whatever. It's like, where did you get that number? It's based on the thing you just wanted to say a lower number. He wants like, attention. I, yeah, he's yeah. so fucking attention hungry. Like he loves that we we're talking about him right now. Maybe yeah. we should stop. Like, <laughs> I think that he thinks that he's protecting the party from itself. I think he okay, thinks well, that if these things idiot. go too far, but the thing is, if we don't commit to what we promise, people will never know that they these things were the right thing to do and that they were successful. Like, yeah, that we have to have a little bit of fucking faith that if you pay off people's student loans and give them more money and help them, that they will be they will be happy, happy. with you. <laughs> like, what do you it's, want? It's crazy. I mean, even it works for the Republicans when they cut taxes, their constituents are happy. Right. <laughs> Even with the stimulus bill, I, they, it did, they didn't ultimately put it in. But the, Joe Manchin was like, instead of 400 a week, we should really go to 300. Oh, he Based did. Based on what? Yeah. Based on right. what? Just because you want to say a lower number. Right. It's like, oh, we can make it 1.8 trillion instead of 1.9 trillion. Like, what is that? That do? really matters to you? Like, right. Right, it's right. Like he's it always does. watching an eBay auction and he's like willing to pay like a little bit less. And he's yes. just waiting. It's I would fuck it. 
Could you imagine trying to sell something to Joe Manchin in a market, like haggling with him? No, exactly. He's like one of those like algorithms that like, like negotiate for you. And he's like, what about 300? It's like every, it's his impulse reaction. It's like, he doesn't even process whether 400, it's not based on whether the data shows that this quantity is what will help people. It's just such a weird reflex. I want to call him. Like what the (laughs) fuck is your deal? Yeah. Somebody I wanna, we, Joe Manchin, we want to talk to you. Maybe yeah. we should invite him Wait, on. You know, okay, this is what I was thinking about last night. You knew what he when he gave himself away was when he got so mad that Kamala did press in West yes. Virginia. And then he thought he has like ownership over the this the press in his state. Mm-hmm. Like that framed that all showed, of this. That framed the whole thing. Right, exactly. And where he was coming from, and he was coming from a place that was like, I, I'm more important, and you have to now consult with me about whatever we do, and I get to give my input. That's <gasps> like clearly who he thinks he is. I'm the king of this mountain. Right, he's like a, yeah, he's like he's a Republican. Yeah, <laughs> I am the king of West Virginia. The king of West Virginia. He's like a Republican who realized that he could be a lot more popular and influential yes. if he pretended to be a Democrat. And that's what people from West Virginia messaged us. They they were yes. saying like his actual politics, like when he talks about them in West Virginia, are not that on the spectrum of what would normally be considered a Democrat. Like it's yeah. just not. He's like, he's like the version of all the people who went to go work for Fox News once they realized they could get paid more and like would never make it in the liberal media yes. space. Mm-hmm. So they like went to go work for Fox. Mm-hmm. That's exactly like, who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Because he also, most recently, I feel like there's so much going on in Congress, but most recently yesterday they were, they were talking about the stimulus bill and we learned that Biden and the Democratic Control Senate have decided together that... Uh, the $1,400 checks don't need to go to as many people. They will go to, uh, they'll phase out at around 70. And if you make 80K and you're single and live by yourself, you're not getting anything, um, anything at all. And then remember, this is based on your 2019 tax returns, even though everyone lost their job. And 2019 was two years ago. People like, it makes no sense. <laughs> Right, like what you were making in April of 2019. That was like two years, two full years ago. <laughs> oh no. Oh yeah. no. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I'm yeah. really furious with this Senate right now. But that's why I think HR1 maybe holds some hope for the future. We've been talking about where Democrats are maybe going to use the filibuster. I was reading that there's apparently a way to get HR1 through with a simpler with a simple majority that wouldn't make them overturn the filibuster completely. We've talked about how you can get legislation through if on deals specifically related to revenue in the budget, but there's some discussion in the Senate about adjusting the filibuster rules to allow for democracy reform legislation specifically. That sounds cool, but I feel like they're just going to like chip away at the filibuster issue by issue like I think they should just blow it up for this because history will remember we had the moral high ground yeah. and then it's gone. They could like do everything to make everything better. Imagine <laughs> if there was no filibuster. Imagine. Wouldn't that be terrible? It's it's really. <laughs> to uh, Joe Manchin, it would. Yeah, yeah apparently. Because he's to a Joe Manchin. It's it is way more impactful to the average American for the Senate filibuster to remain intact. That is something that the average American feels in their everyday life. <laughs> I know that I don't Thank know how God. I could get up in the morning without the Senate filibuster 
intact. <laughs> I wake up every day and I am thrilled that 10 Republicans who represent like a million people get to <laughs> you know, tell everyone what to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. Don't DM me if you're from a road state. I know you live there. <laughs> right. I mean, but they're they probably voted for not exactly. that person. Yeah. Yes, so. that's true. As we mentioned, there's also a challenge to the existing Voting Rights Act in the Supreme Court right now. So the justice heard arguments this week related to whether two Arizona measures that would restrict voting access violated the Voting Rights Act. One of those measures requires election officials to throw away ballots cast at the wrong precinct, and the other makes it a crime for anyone other than a family member to return absentee ballots. So this varies by state. Uh, It has the really kind of sinister name of ballot harvesting, which I guess it can be if you're doing it in a sinister way, but it also just refers to like advocacy groups and I don't think campaigns, but there are some states that allow a broader range of people to help you get your absentee ballot from your home to where it needs to be to be counted. Uh, This Arizona measure would make that so it's just a direct family member. Lawyers opposing the restrictions say that they violate Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Section five of the Voting Rights Act was basically eliminated a couple of years ago. So Section 2 has been doing a lot of work. That prohibits voting practices or procedures that discriminate on the basis of race. And a lower court ruling did find that the restrictions were discriminatory. It seemed, you know, you read those articles by people that are in the room that say, it seems like the justices feel this way. Those people said, it seems like the justices are going to let the restrictions stand. It looks like they might not be that different from things that already exist. They couldn't decide how to tell if they definitely impacted minority voters. But to return to our previous conversation, let's listen to what happened when uh, Amy Coney Barrett, conservative darling, asked a lawyer for the Arizona Republican Party why his client cared about whether votes cast at the wrong precinct should be counted. It puts us at a competitive disadvantage relative to Democrats. Politics is a zero-sum game. And every uh, extra vote they get through unlawful interpretations of Section 2 hurts us. That zero-sum game appears to be part of what's driving the voting rights debate. I mean, you just said said it it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but like, why is it so meaningful to them to make voting harder? Right. And I like how they say that they have a competitive disadvantage. And then these are this is the people that are also in the Supreme Court saying that affirmative action is bad. Like, yes, you're begging to be weighted more for white people. All that they do is to try to make it so that white people's opinions and livelihoods and health are weighted more heavily in society than people of color. And then, God forbid, there's legislation that does it does that for underserved communities. It's like, absolutely not. Yeah. Right. Like, like you wouldn't need affirmative action if you would actually make things equitable. They would say, well, we wouldn't need voting restrictions if the Democrats weren't so good with policy. (laughs) We wouldn't. Right. Right. Like, it just comes down to the fact that, like, their party has a message. Maybe they made it about something else for a while. But, like, maybe they made it about, like, national security or, like, like, abortion is murder. But really, it's just about white male wealth staying accumulated and them keeping their own power. Just making sure that like no one else gets like a fair shot, essentially. Yeah. We were talking about this yesterday and how that even came down to basically stalling Neera Tandon's nomination. They were like, she's not like us and she doesn't Mm -hmm. allow to get to make those mistakes. And so she's not welcome here. Yeah. Yeah. That was like some like real bullshit. (laughs) Sam, it was so mad. (laughs) But I was like I mean, really trying crazy. to not think about it. It's, it's also like every news, 
every single news like story about it, like hearing the actual newscaster read her tweets made me laugh so hard because they're like, yeah. she called Mitch McConnell the worst. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like OK, okay. <laughs> like, did- <laughs> like, I believe we had a president not even a month ago, a month and a half ago, who said way worse things. Crazy Nancy. Everybody was a nasty woman, but yeah, he called Adam shit. He almost tweeted us us into war with North Korea. Okay. Oh, guys, I think every day, like life. What do you think life would be like if he could still tweet? I don't. I'm really glad that he can't put me in that place. (laughs) I'm really glad that he can't. I think we'd actually legitimately be in a way worse situation if he could tweet. Yeah, I think it's crazy that that's the case. But I I actually think we would be in more danger if he could tweet. I agree with that. I feel like to end today's show, I feel like there's been um, a greater feeling this week than any other of disappointment in Democrats and the direction that things are going. Um, I think it's been about 43 days. Are you guys getting this sense too? How are you reacting to it? Are you feeling a sense of disappointment? I mean, obviously it's only been 42 days, but I'm starting to see some impatience and I'm feeling it too. So I'm actually not disappointed with the Biden administration. I'm disappointed with Joe Manchin. Manchin. (laughs) Literally, like like, literally that's the one barrier and it's him. So I'm actually not disappointed. I think the house has been passing. They passed. They're passing everything. They're passing passing legislation every night. The COVID relief bill is solid, like without the bullshit from Joe Manchin. (laughs) Like it's just, they are doing a good job. I think the Biden administration, if I had known how progressive that they would be this progressive rather than what I assumed they would be, Maybe I would have been more supportive of him in the primary. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, I actually think everyone's doing a good job except for one person. (laughs) I I feel disappointed with Senate Democrats more broadly, I think. And the Biden administration a little bit. You know, I've been reading a promised land. (laughs) And it's been really interesting to read that while and read about like the Recovery Act and healthcare passing. And now I'm at a point where like they're just passing Dodd-Frank, like all of this stuff. And just honestly getting pissed off at how dysfunctional our system has been for so long. And like how obstructionism has stopped so much like progress from happening. A cap and trade bill has been stopped this way. And I, I think obviously the Biden administration would have had their full bill that they proposed passed immediately if they could, like they proposed it. Um, I think I feel hopeful that a good bill is that the, the stimulus bill is going to be good. I am a little frustrated with the reluctance to like overrule the parliamentarian or go big on this or that other thing. Like Joe Biden, part of the part of the appeal of him to me is that, I mean, he's basically he considers himself this transitional candidate. He doesn't really seem like someone who's going to run for a second term. So I'm like, go crazy, man. Like, do this. Yeah. I've also heard that he wants to and that he's thinking about that. It's like, dude, we elected you because you said, I'm just going to hold shit together and stop the bleeding for four years. And now every move we make is how it can get Joe Biden reelected, sir. 
Yeah. I kind of wish they would overrule the parliamentarian. That seems like an easy one. And it's been done. It's been done. Right. They fired oh, the parliamentarian it. before. Like, it's absolutely happened. It's not something that hasn't happened before. So that kind of stuff feels to me like making the mistakes of the past, rereading about the mm -hmm. health care bill. Like, there are some times where I feel like Obama held back on things and tried too hard to yeah. create a bipartisan bill uh, where there were there was none to be created because there's no the other party isn't playing ball. Well, it only did pass by one vote, didn't it? So like it passed what could they by have done? very little. <laughs> They're well, never going to come around. This is what people need. This is what I've had to realize, too, because I have the the impulse to blame Democrats, too. But like it's 48 Democrats that are down with this it, yeah. and, and 50 Republicans. Yeah. So it's hard it's not, I don't think it's fair to say that they aren't fulfilling their promises. I do agree that we're way too fixated on how Republicans will, okay, if we eliminate the filibuster, what will they do? Or if we yeah. overrule this parliamentarian, they're going to be able to convince voters in 2024, but we can't be so fucking scared of them all yeah. the time. Like we have to get this stuff done or we're never going to get reelected. Yeah, that's my he, thing is it's like, I think the legislation is good. Like, I'm happy with the ideas that are being put yeah, forward. Yeah. But the I'm upset with the willingness to actually shake shit up to get them passed. Yeah, right. The other thing is that, I mean, we've said this before, but like, I just wish that they would get Democrats would get a little more creative. Like the Republicans are going to hold the COVID relief bill up by like raising all these objections. And then they're going to read the bill for 10 hours on the floor, like just to be annoying. Like, why don't we ever do stuff just to be annoying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like why don't we just try some like new maneuvers? Like I would love like a new- We need some new moves. <laughs> right, like I would love to be like, oh, the Democrats are going to do this thing. You've never heard of it because it's like an obscure rule that like only Mitch McConnell knows about and we're going to do it. Yeah. And it's going to get something to pass. Like, why don't they just like try, like get a little more creative? Right, right. Yeah. And- Nobody in 2021, the average voter or 2022 or whenever these people are up is going to be like, oh, but they overruled the Senate parliamentarian. How could they? But that was up until no like one. three days ago. Not one They're not going to give a shit no matter what state they live in. They're going to be like, well, I'm making $15 an hour and I was making $7 an hour. Yeah. So they're not going to care. More people are going to like, it's going to impact politically. It will. I think it will impact more workers that tend to vote for Democrats than small business owners that tend to vote for Democrats. Like there's no denying that it will pose some good point. require some adjustments for small business owners for sure. And I, I don't think that Joe Manson's wrong when he says it could be hard for some businesses in West Virginia to pay that. But it's like, well, then maybe we should have been doing this so that we didn't have to hike it up to 15 after 10 years exactly. because we haven't done it anything. It should be 24. So right. they should they should be happy. Exactly. We like are are making it also, lower than let's, then let's help them. Let's help them through that instead of giving the rich people tax breaks. Let's right? support small businesses more. It doesn't that's have to so, be them against them. That's so true, Amanda. It's like, okay, well, Joe Manchin, why don't you fucking propose anything? Like why like, don't you fourteen fifty? Well, it's like he comes in and he's just like, oh, well, it's not going to help small business owners. And it's like, OK, well, maybe propose adding something to the yeah. bill that would help small business owners. That seems like something reasonable. That's their job. That would assume that Joe Manchin is acting in good faith. 
Exactly. But she's not. He wants fucking attention. And like everybody just- at their job has to compromise and has somebody say, here's this. And you're like, oh, but I noticed this. Okay, let's do it. Like, that's what a job is. That's what you get fucking paid for is to consolidate ideas and come out with an end product. Well, they don't want to go to their job. No, exactly. (laughs) They just want to go home. Yeah, same. (laughs) I've been indulging this idea that maybe it's actually the opposite. And it's like Kristen Cinema's the mastermind and she's just like pulling Joe along. Somehow she's got him wrapped around her finger. I wonder <laughs> I if they're it. even friends. They're probably not even friends. What would they talk about? Yeah. <laughs> what do they have to say? What to if each she other? wear a shirt that's a like dangerous woman on yeah. it or something? Like not dangerous enough, Kirsten. <laughs> that doesn't really align with like the vibe of someone who's like, nope, we just can't pay $15. Right. No, it should be 24. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it just not. seems weird. Those things don't make sense to me. She's trying to preserve the punk rock energy of the Senate filibuster. Like, <laughs> right, like, why would you? Okay, if you want to be this, like, moderate, why are you doing that? Like, that's your statement? It's just weird. That is what Republicans are probably going to do, is they're going to come out with, like, a T-shirt that's, like, keep the filibuster and makes it seem like this really important. Come and take well, it. I mean, they would love it. It is a Jim Crow relic. Mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, Sammy, who is on afternoon tea tomorrow? I talked to Maya Wiley, who is running for NYC mayor, and I just I think she is absolutely incredible. She would make an amazing mayor for New York City. And I hope you guys really enjoy the conversation because she's just I think she would like fit in here really well. (laughs) And the sup? The sup. Yeah. Like on this convo. I'm excited. I've been shopping for a mayoral candidate. Mm -hmm. I think, Elise, I have faith that she's the one for you. I'm excited. And Elise and I are actually talking to Eliza Orleans right after this, who's running yes. for Manhattan I DA. Love so her. she's the also best. she's also, I think, gonna she's definitely gonna come back. So you'll be hearing from both okay, of those both, people. Those those are probably like my ticket. Those like are probably my, our gals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are I'm a million upset. people running for for mayor, but we'll talk about that on another yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, are you running? No, <laughs> she's running. <laughs> Run for something, I would, Sammy. Do I it. would make a horrible mayor. We are anyway. actually, I'll add here, um, we are donating 10% of all of our merch throughout Women's History Month for run for some, to Run for Something, which if you listen to Sammy's episode with Amanda Littman, uh, she started that and it's super cool. They have tons of women candidates running for all sorts of offices everywhere. It's money put to really good use. We have to start this shit now uh, to get 22 where we want it to be. If anyone's considering running for something, go to like actually... We encourage you to run for something via oh, run yes. for something. You, you start now. Yeah. <laughs> Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.